0: Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Lisa Frankenstein, written by Diablo Cody, directed by Zelda Williams. And joining me to talk about it, first time on the show, we've got Tia Bean. We have a great, fun conversation. Lots of puzzle pieces to get into with this one. Lots of horror and goofy, campy, kitschy horror and comedy horror and all different kinds of horror but a lot of really fun stuff so that is coming up here in a second before we get to it i do want to remind you as always to make sure you are subscribed to piecing it together wherever you listen to podcasts you can follow us on social media at piecing pod and don't forget to check out our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show I also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there, so check it out. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. We appreciate you just being out there listening, but if you want to support the show in that way, it's, of course, very much appreciated. So with that said, let's get into this conversation about Lisa Frankenstein. All right, it's time to get into Lisa Frankenstein, and with me, I've got Tia Bean. Tia, thanks so much for being here. Of
1: course, I'm very excited to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to have you, and this is going to be a fun one to get into. Oh, uh, yeah. I think, I think there's a lot of stuff to get to, but before we get into the movie, it is your first time on the show. Tell my listeners a little about you.
1: Um, sure. So uh, I moved to Vegas like three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, what mostly qualifies me to be on this particular episode or on your podcast in general is one, um, I run my own podcast, my weird little podcast, um, which you've been on. And mm. uh, yeah, I record that whenever my mental health lets me. And so <laughs> I'll probably have episodes coming out maybe end of April. We'll see. <laughs> um, sure. We just talk about like weird stuff, cryptid, spooky stuff, But also, I am an actress and a tour guide, or former tour guide. I was a tour guide at Universal Studios in Hollywood for the Backlot tour. So I'm Mm -hmm. very familiar with the Universal Monsters. uh, It's definitely on theme with today's um, movie that we're going to be talking about. Uh, I've been around the horror haunts community for a while. I've been in several haunts, Halloween Horror Nights and Dark Harbor. And, you know, I just love spooky stuff. And yeah, Lisa Frankenstein was like my whole, my whole aesthetic. Oh, my goodness. That movie (laughs) was like my dream of a movie, you know.
0: Sure, sure.
1: Um, But yeah, that's just a little bit about me.
0: Right on, right on. Yeah, I, I think this movie, for for people who are into this kind of stuff, like, it's it's playing right into every single little one of those kinds of aesthetics, like, uh, just the vibes in general of just loving horror, but also, like, loving the, the campy kitschiness oh, of yeah. horror and all that. And so, yeah, Diablo Cody really captures that in the screenplay. I, I think, before we start getting into puzzle pieces, we should talk briefly about the fact that, This movie, it it didn't do that great opening weekend, but I think it's already made its budget back. And like, I think it's starting to get more of an audience. This seems like one of those slow growers, you know, cult classic in the making. Um, Are are you hearing a lot of people talk about it in like your horror communities? So every
1: time I mention it to someone, they're like, oh, I I haven't heard of that. And then I describe (laughs) it to them and they're like, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. So I don't know if that's because of advertising. Or what? Um, yeah. My Facebook algorithm loves me. So, like, I found it very easily. Like, Or it found sure. me, you know. Um, But I'm on the internet, like, you know, 20 of the 24 hours of the day. So, you know, yeah. I was able to find it. But, yeah, when I mention it to anyone, they've never heard of it. So...
0: Yeah, they're just, they're just not really uh, putting the word out for this movie to like general audiences or whatever. I feel like usually I will throw to my guest for the first puzzle piece, but I feel like we should just get this one out in the open right away. This is a Diablo Cody script. I think we should talk about Jennifer's body as a first puzzle piece here because like they did the same shit with that. You know, that movie yeah. just got buried and, you know, critics were mixed on it at the time to negative and audiences just didn't show up. And sure enough, it, it you know, built its following over the years. Now everybody considers it like this classic, mm-hmm. um, but at the time, nobody watched it. Both are movies that, again, deal with, uh, you know, they're built right into the horror aesthetic, the, the horror vibes, the horror, you know, uh, tradition Um, but doing it in a very campy, very fun way, a very female way. And uh, I think it's really a good jumping off point for like talking about what Lisa Frankenstein is.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a really good like slumber party movie,
0: you know? Yes.
1: Like if I was in middle school or high school, like I would definitely want all my girlfriends over and like Mm -hmm. watch Lisa Frankenstein because it's like, If my parents walked in on me watching it, I'd probably be okay. But there's like just enough gore and violence to like really be, you know, edgy with that. So,
0: you know, (laughs) it'll it'll
1: definitely be a a cult classic and grow. Um, Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of a bad horror movie fan because I've never seen Jennifer's Body.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Yeah, you'll have to spoil it for me
0: you know <laughs> you know i actually hadn't seen it until actually i think it was 2020 when we were all locked up in the house and i watched like a million movies i think that's when i finally caught up with it but yeah i mean it, megan fox is you know perfect for that role of like you know this kind of like this character who like plays into all of those horror tropes and uh you know does it again in a very campy very kitschy kind of way um it's a movie that that revels in violence and in gore but at the same time is not you know, scary necessarily. It's just meant to be fun. And it's been meant to be like, you know, hell yeah, you know, kill, kill those guys, you know, like go for oh, it, yeah. Megan Fox, you know, and, uh, and I think Diablo Cody is like right in that same, uh, realm here with Lisa Frankenstein. I mean, you know, so like, just to get into, you know, the plotting of this movie a little bit, uh, you know, at Lisa Frankenstein, this, this girl, Lisa Swallows played by Catherine Newton. Uh, she, she basically... Comes to find this this uh, undead guy who she hides in her room and has to like kind of help him regain his, uh, you know, mortality, I guess, so to speak. And um, in a lot of ways, she just doesn't give him a voice and he doesn't have a voice because he's a zombie, but she doesn't really give him the chance to have one. And, uh, it, again, it, it's very like kind of feminist, but in the same, at the same time, kind of like ridiculous and, and over the top. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's another way that both of these movies are definitely cut from the same cloth.
1: Oh yeah. I have a movie on here that I just feel like is on theme too with it. Mm-hmm. Or one of my puzzle pieces was Jawbreaker as oh, well. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's definitely like, Incredible violence, but in this like campy, fun, and very feminine way. Uh, but I also had it as a puzzle piece because of like using clothing and fashion to express a change in a character. And I felt mm, like that that yeah. was really represented in Lisa Frankenstein. And sure. uh, in Jawbreaker, Judy Greer's character Fern, like goes from being like, you know like the breakfast club ali sheedy like sad character to being like hot shit you know later on and it's that's definitely played in lisa frankenstein i think it's so funny like dressing better and being more popular is like always correlated with becoming more evil you know (laughs) yeah um so the better you dress the more evil you are you know is the theme here
0: absolutely I love yeah.
1: I love the costume choices in Lisa Frankenstein so much. Um, oh, yeah. Especially even, like, Taffy's character of the sister. I thought her character arc through her clothing, where she kind of, like, ends up becoming Lisa Frankenstein, you know, mm. in the end with her clothing choices. And it shows her also going through traumas like Lisa had previously gone through prior to the movie plot. You sure. know, I thought that was really well represented in her in the costume pieces you know in the film so but I love clothing so I was like totally like giddy watching this movie so much like every little piece the hats the dresses the you know accessories I was just like every time I saw a new piece I was just like super thrilled so
0: (laughs) but yeah the color choices are gonna uh tie into one of my other pieces later on but but, yeah, I love that, and I love Jawbreaker as a piece here because like it is a movie where like our main character uh, is kind of terrible, but we love her yeah. anyway, you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> and that that's definitely something you can uh you could tie in with jawbreaker as well, yeah. so I, I think that's a great one. uh, you just mentioned the breakfast club uh I'm gonna go with another John Hughes movie for my next puzzle piece with weird science, um oh, yeah. You know, you get this lead character who's kind of like a misfit that, you know, doesn't fit in. uh, And and this story that's kind of problematic on purpose, uh, and, you know, and that's okay because it's just fun. Uh, But, you know, this character, instead of in weird science having this computer simulation of a woman come to life, uh, Lisa Frankenstein gets her zombie guy to come to life and uh, you know, he gets to have this like perfect guy uh, for her. And so they, they both definitely have that kind of thing and the outcastness of the character yeah. and, uh, it, and it's also a great high school movie too.
1: I love how the perfect guy doesn't talk. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah that, that fits in perfectly uh, with, with all of the, the feminist themes of the film. So. Oh, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. What do you have for your next piece? Okay,
1: just to ride on that same theme, I have Encino Man. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt like the hiding of the friend in the closet, you know, was sure. very on on theme uh with that as well. And uh so yeah, in Man, they basically it's very similar. Like they bring a guy back from I mean, he's not dead, he's frozen. They unthought sure. him, you know, yeah. but he doesn't speak. And they have to like mold him into society and hide him. Um and oh and also like to tie in, you know, the uh, seven degrees to Kevin Bacon uh, hmm. Carla uh, Gugino, is that how you say her last name? I,
0: I believe so, yeah. The Who step plays mom. Janet, is yeah.
1: in uh, Son-in-Law with Pauly Shore, who's also in Encino Man, um, just tying nice. that in. But she is fucking incredible in uh, in Lisa Frankenstein. Like, she's so scary. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I felt like it definitely had that, you know, vibe of Encino Man. And also, like, not questioning... This corpse, like she's like afraid of it for like literally five minutes. And then she's like, Oh, come to my room. Let's (laughs) hang out. Where you're my new boyfriend or my new friend zone friend, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like in Encino Man, they just kind of go along with it, you know? They're like, there's concern for a minimal amount of time for this stranger from the past, you know?
0: But then it's just kind of widely accepted
1: yeah <laughs> you know so it's like
0: min- minutes at most were where oh, they yeah. like worried at all the
1: stakes are very low i
0: i hadn't seen man as well i i think it's a great one to include here um and and I love also that uh, you know Brendan Fraser is you know Encino Man in that and and Cole Sprouse is the creature in this. They don't know what's going on, but they also kind of seem to be enjoying it in their own weird way. Yeah. You know, and, and I love that about the performances here. So uh, yeah, Encino Man definitely. Also to Carla uh, Cugino, um, th- this wasn't one of my puzzle pieces, but just to her performance reminded me a little bit of the dad in the Twisted Sister music video. Uh, you know, we're not gonna take it. Um, um, you know, what are you going to do with your life? Like, oh, reminded yeah. me of that, of that guy, you know? So, uh, yeah, she's awesome in this. But um, I will go... This was actually the first thing I thought of uh, from this movie. Because I'll admit, the first, like, 15, 20 minutes, I was a little worried. Like, this... Lisa Frankenstein's not as funny as I thought it was going to be. It was mm-hmm. it was more weird. And once I kind of got on that that wavelength of just the weirdness of... Catherine Newton's character and of the vibe of the movie. And it yeah. is funny, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of laughs in it, but um it, it's just not as broad as I was expecting. It's more weird. And so I started thinking of um Frank Henenlotter's films, Frankenhooker, Basket Case. Mm-hmm. Um the these movies were like this strange Outcast, deranged main character is just kind of talking to themselves the whole time, narrating every one of their their you know moments and every single one of their moves throughout. Like a clearly sick person that you're <laughs> following through this, but uh, they're so much fun to watch and they're so much fun to like root for, even as they're like digging themselves deeper into this mess that they kind of dig themselves into. And uh, I just recently rewatched *Frankenhooker* because of our *Poor Things* episode and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so much fun. And you know those movies are so great. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, Poor Things also was awesome. I have not seen Frankenhooker. Oh, my God. I'm such a bad horror movie oh, fan it. It here. You'd love uh, it. But I have seen Poor Things. And I thought it was really interesting how like two Frankenstein themed movies came out in the same year that were both incredibly feminist forward movies and very different but very similar at the same time.
0: Yeah, um, with yeah.
1: these two, and I saw them both in a week, and it was one of the best weeks of my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a great setup for a movie, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's actually another one coming later this year, another Frankenstein-ish movie. And last year there was the Angry Black Girl and, and her monster. Uh, so there, there's like I don't know, it's kind of a thing in the ether right now of these kinds I'm of down. like, yeah, yeah that, that's it's a fun uh, a fun way to make a movie. But what do you got for your next piece?
1: Um, so. Of course, I have to mention, I kind of want to mention these three movies. Actually, I have four that I want to mention, like, in a bunch. Uh, sure. They all kind of very much represent Cole Sprouse's character. Um, first off was, of course, Edward Scissorhands, which mm. um, in my review I did on your Facebook page, I said that if Edward Scissorhands had an adorable little cousin, it would be Lisa Frankenstein. Of sure, course. Sure. But Themes from this movie, like the color palette and the set dressings, but even like the look of the characters were very, very similar to *Edwards of Their Hands* and like just Tim Burton's aesthetic in in general. Um, yeah. It also reminded me very much of *Corpse Bride*, mm-hmm. um, especially in you know the themes of like bringing someone back from the dead, but then also not really knowing what to do with them when. They're on your hands, you know? Sure. But the look of Johnny Depp's characters uh, in, you know, well, a lot of Tim Burton's pieces very much was what Cole Sprouse reminded me of. But to go, like, way, 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 way back in history, uh, I wanted to mention The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Mm -hmm. which is probably one of the first zombie films you know, and it's not really a zombie. I don't know what they call him uh, in the movie, but they have this character that is either dead or asleep, and he's roaming the city, and uh, he's, like, very much, like, the look of Cole Sprouse in this film. But, I mean, if you haven't seen that film, it's, like, one of the best, like, Early early horror movies, like this movie's from uh oh, the nineteen twenties or something the I sets think it's are ni- all, it's
0: nineteen twenty yeah, yeah,
1: the <laughs> sets are all like disjointed and weird, and because um, it's supposed to take place within like a crazy person's mind, mm. but I felt like this film like also had like sort of like this very much like weird world, you know as well, but yeah. You know Cole Sprouse's character definitely had the look of you know the, the zombie. I forgot what his name is in Doctor Caligari, but just that that very much that uh, you know Edwardian Victorian look to him. You know, and then the makeup, of course, like the sunken eyes and all of that. Um, but another one, which is not a movie but a musical, would be Sweeney Todd that I wanted mm-hmm. to mention as well. Um, with the look of the characters um of you know Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd, you know, kind of reminded me of Lisa Frankenstein and uh Cole Sprouse's zombie character. What is his name in the movie? Like they never even mentioned Yeah,
0: on Letterboxd they just call him the creature, but the Creature. Uh, That's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh
1: we'll go with that. But also with Sweeney Todd like in the musical, uh, Mrs. Lovett convinces Sweeney Todd to start killing people so that she can sell these pies, you yeah. know. Uh, and in uh, this movie, the couple kills people so that um, the creature can, you know, get these body parts and extend his longevity, you know, his life. So I felt like this, you know, evil couple like scheming and luring people in and killing them was very much on theme with Sweeney Todd as well you know Yeah. Uh, but you know also the whole aesthetic is very similar so
0: yeah yeah no absolutely you got to get a lot of Tim Burton in on this and like as far as like you know Sweeney Todd I think is a really great one to include because of the costumes and and yeah. all that like it's very like it's horror, but it's also like kind of '80s rock influenced in the, in the styling of all the characters. And this is set in '89, I think. Uh, I think I remember. Uh, but yeah, it's like you know, big hair and big uh, costumes and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it fits in really well. I actually have not seen the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's been on my list for a long time. I need to watch it one of these days. But it's,
1: uh, yeah, it's really good. You know, yeah. I like it. It's definitely one of my my faves. There. Right on. Uh, just in oh I don't know. The set design itself is just really, really cool. So, awesome.
0: yeah. Well, I will go, uh, I'll, I'll stick in, uh, I'll, I'll go to more campy uh, for my next puzzle piece. Uh, I'm going with Little Shop of Horrors. Um oh, okay. you know, talking about this girl who has to, basically start killing people for her, you know, creature uh, mm-hmm. companion. And, uh, you know, again, doing it in just a silly, campy, over-the-top, ridiculous way. This movie could have easily had musical numbers. Um, you know, it's a oh, $13 yeah. million dollar production, but raise that budget a little bit, get some, you know, great little songs in there. This could have easily been a musical. Um, but, yeah, once things, you know, start getting violent and the blood starts spilling, it's, like, totally in line with that, you know, silly campy be violence of like a little shop of horrors kind of thing and uh just the fact that she has to bring victims to her to her creature again that kind of goes in with what you were saying with Sweeney Todd it's exactly uh that that kind of thing of like they they get together and then the violence starts so
1: yeah and then there's like always that dilemma of like do I keep killing people you know this is wrong, but it's something that has to be done. You know, yeah. what is more yeah. important, the lives of other people or the lives of the person that you love and care about, you know? Yeah, uh, always, well.
0: the, always the person you love and care about, definitely.
1: Speaking yes. of like feeding the monster, <laughs> recently I just watched Michael Keane's movie, The Head, oh, uh, <laughs> which is like kind of similar to Little Shop and like this movie in the sense that the guy has to keep feeding the head blood you in order for it to survive and he goes through that same uh dilemma you know Uh, i
0: wonder if we brought up little shop on that because we did do our first ever live episode was on the head yeah and uh i wonder if we brought up little shop i can't remember that far back but we probably did that seems like a great puzzle piece for that movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) that movie uh the head um i don't know it changed me as a person uh i definitely lost a little bit of my sanity from watching that but yeah. Oh. That's
0: what That's Michael Keane movies will do to you. But uh <laughs> <laughs> what do you have for your next piece? Uh
1: so I wanted to bring up One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with okay. Nurse Ratchet, uh and Carla Gusino's character of Janet, uh, in the scene where oh
0: man, I'm gonna have to spoil the movie. Oh, spoil one. spoil away. We get into spoilers here.
1: Oh, okay, for sure. But in the scene where she uh Gets unalived. <laughs> um, just like her whole monologue, like right before, and like she's in her nurse costume. She uh, is like sick from like food poisoning, and like the makeup is like streaming down her face. It just gave me like nurse ratchet vibes. And I'm almost positive that's what they were going for with her costume choices. Uh, at the time, you know, and making her a nurse character, which is incredibly frightening. She is terrifying in this movie, you know, and almost everything else I've seen her in, she's like friendly and cute and, you (laughs) know, a nice person. She's like the mom in Spy Kids, (laughs) you know, uh, but yeah, I just, just because of that one character, it just reminded me so much, uh, of, of it. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's fun. I, I like that one. That's uh that's a great pick right there. And and I would imagine a definite inspiration on on that character, so I think you're definitely onto something there. Um I will go with for my next piece. I'm going to go with Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. Uh which is a very like weird dry take on the zombie uh, genre. We see uh, her watching Day of the Dead in this. You know, that's more Dawn of the Dead. Dead Don't Die. But, you know, just taking what could have been, again, you know, I'm talking about this movie being more weird than it is, like, outwardly, uh, broadly funny and comedic. Um, Taking this this, uh, setup and making it drier, making it weirder and stranger and, like, making the character a lot darker... But then dressing it up with, you know, we're talking about like all the bright colors and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It's it's an interesting dichotomy between uh, the tones of the movie, and I think that that is a movie that that really does that really well as well. Where you kind of are like, you know, what exactly is the point of view here? But then, like, as you get into it, you're just kind of like, you know, what? It's a fun time and. I'm here for whatever the point of view is. And you could kind of like read into the tones of it that way. Uh, either it could kind of go either way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a a fun movie, but at the same time, it's like super dry and weird. And, uh, that's why I wanted to bring that one up. Very cool. I haven't seen that movie. I have to check that, that out. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great, great cast. Lots of, uh, Lots of weird little cameos. I mean, it's a Jim Jarmusch movie. Of course, it has weird little cameos. But uh, (laughs) yeah, what do you have next? Do you have another piece Um, you want to bring up?
1: My last one is kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's out of left field, but I definitely felt the vibe with this film with one particular scene in the movie. And you know, I guess there is a lot of violence in the film, so I guess it works. But I picked uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre okay um you know i guess in, i mean in terms of violence but in the scene where it's right after taffy's you know caught cheating oh my god i'm spoiling the movie so bad taffy's caught cheating Spoil away. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, which oh my god can we take a moment just to like like process like that whole unhinged plot point in the movie where they're like you know, they kill the boyfriend for a specific part of his body uh-huh. <laughs> with that logic in mind. Like when that was happening, my mom was in the theater next to me and I was just like, oh, my God, I brought my mom to see this movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did she laugh? Did she? Uh, what did she think?
1: She like after the movie, she was like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> you know,
0: it was interesting. Like,
1: uh, I thought she was going to like it because it was a really cute movie and everything. For the most part, it's, like, 80% adorable, you know? Yeah. But then, the, like, there are some moments that I was just like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's all good. <laughs> um, but, so, anyway, so they kill the boyfriend, and Taffy is, like, experiencing trauma, and uh, there's a disconnect oh, sure. between you know, um, Lisa and Taffy, but like Taffy's like completely gone. Like she is completely traumatized. And there's this point where she like stumbles out of the car and she starts to try to flag down other cars and like run away. Just reminded me so much of the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre when the girl escapes. Finally, she's the final girl. She's escaped. She's running down the street. She's trying desperately to like get some help and she's waving down cars and she she obviously waved down the wrong car, but yeah. you know, it's just that one piece just reminded me so much of that. I felt like it was definitely an homage, you know, a little throwback to that, that
0: movie. Yeah. that That's, that's a good pull. I hadn't thought about that one, but I definitely, you know, can see where you're coming from with mm-hmm. that. Cause yeah, she's just like super dramatized and just looking for any car that'll stop for her. And uh, yeah, no, it's a good one. I like that. Um, I will go, my last piece, Uh, I almost wasn't going to include this one, uh, but a friend of mine actually suggested it, uh, and it's Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, from Pedro Almodovar, Uh, it's a movie about a guy who gets out of a mental institution, and then kidnaps a porn star, and basically she falls in love with him, uh, even though... He is insane, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's this guy who's a zombie and who's basically forced to stay in this girl's, this teenage girl's room. And uh, they do fall in love, you know, spoiler alert. Here. The whole but, Stockholm. Uh, yeah, the Stockholm thing of it. Yeah. And, the Beast. <laughs> and, and so, like, and I was thinking to myself, like, you know, that that's actually an interesting and weird kind of connection to make here. And I decided to, like, just. I don't know, Just I don't usually look up my puzzle pieces ahead of recording, but I decided to look it up. And sure enough, uh, Zelda Williams was looking at the films of Pedro Almodovar as far as the use of color in his films. Hmm. And so that has to be on the list. I was like, you know what, I'm including it. Uh, But yeah, those just all those, you know, big, bright, primary colors and you were talking about the costumes and the hair and all that kind of stuff. Uh, definitely a touchstone of his films and something that she was uh, actually going off of here.
1: Very cool. I have to check that out. You know, like, it's yeah, that's one. definitely something I enjoyed almost the most thing or the biggest thing I enjoyed from the, from the movie was the color palette. And yeah. the set. like, I want to watch that movie again and like pause at certain areas just to look at all of the set decorations and dressings in the background, especially yeah. like some of the living room scenes where all of the like tchotchkes and knickknacks and all of that in the background, like, Oh my goodness. You know, yeah. and I, I probably remember some of that stuff, you know, from being really young in, in my sure. parents houses or friends, friends, houses, you know,
0: I have to assume that stuff is written into Di- Diablo Cody's scripts. Cause it seems like all of her movies are like that, where mm-hmm. like a- every single little piece of set decoration is like perfect for that time period. And it's all things you can be like, you know, almost like Easter eggs, even though they're just background things. Um, but
1: it really adds, you know, to the it does. film, you know, yeah. and like great directors will think of everything. Like I remember uh, watching, well I've watched several documentaries about, um, Uh, The Shining, you know, and how Mm. every piece, like even the mistakes, you know, they're not mistakes. They were probably planned because Kubrick would meticulously go through the sets and pick out, you know, every little set dressing. So, yeah, great directors care about those. The details really matter, you know, and it really adds to this film.
0: Absolutely. Well, I will get down uh, to our finished puzzle list here, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts. We talked about Jennifer's Body, Jawbreaker, Weird Science, Encino Man, Frankenhooker and Basket Case, Edward Scissorhands, The Corpse Bride, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Sweeney Todd, Little Shop of Horrors, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Dead Don't Die, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, um i'll I'll add in there also something i was thinking about the movie didn't actually go in this direction but it was something that came to my mind at one point uh bill and ted's excellent adventure oh Um, yeah it it was kind of hinted at that this this uh creature was like a you know a famous pianist before he died um
1: there's time travel you know. Yeah.
0: So it it kinda you know, it kinda fits in there. So uh, but yeah, I don't know. Is there any um any kind of closing thoughts, anything we didn't quite get into while doing puzzle pieces?
1: I don't know. I wanna go see this movie again,
0: you know, because mm.
1: I feel like I just missed so much. I so many like Easter eggs in this film. It's definitely gonna be one that I purchase, you know, on DVD when it comes out, you know, yeah. so I can have a hard copy of it. You know, I just loved it, you know, and, you know, probably my fashion choices, you know, for the next couple weeks will be very much influenced (laughs) by this film, you know, Uh, just, yeah, just a great fun, you know, doesn't take itself too seriously at all. I love camp, you know, we need more camp horror uh, in this world, you know.
0: Definitely. You take
1: yourself too seriously sometimes.
0: hmm Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I. I uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention is the soundtrack, which just lots of great music, like, you know, time period, uh, you know, music that fits the period, but also music oh, yeah. that just kind of fits the vibe of that period. And, uh, yeah, I think even that adds to something we've already said here, is that, you know, this could be a musical. Like, you know, I could totally see – um, like some of like the local theaters putting together like a Lisa Frankenstein musical or something like that. I think it would be really fun.
1: Something to think about. Uh, our local theater just, or is still doing the screamed musical.
0: Yeah. You know, right yeah.
1: now. So yeah, definitely something to think about that same theater did uh, the craft, the majestic <laughs> repertory theater. I should shout yes. them out because they're fantastic, yeah. but they did the craft several years ago. So yeah, Lisa Frankenstein.
0: Would fit you know, right totally
1: in. Try, make it happen. Um. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it would be perfect. Well Tia, I think that does it for Lisa Frankenstein. Is there yeah. another movie you watched recently that you'd like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh if I tell you what I watched last night, I it will I I should just tell you. I'm like super embarrassed. Uh but I watched I have it actually next to me. Last night I watched Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> Literally in reach, like I have my my TV, which you might,
0: you know, oh, wow, yeah, think is cool. Oh, it yeah. is one of
1: those TVs with the VHS player attached to it. But uh, that movie, I forgot how uh, actually awesome that movie
0: is. Wow, uh, okay. Like
1: Lion King is Hamlet. This is more like Romeo and Juliet. But you know what really actually makes the film good is that they took music from the Broadway musical The Lion King that wasn't in the original Mm, movie, you know, that was added for the musical and they used it in Lion King 2. So the music's great. Uh, I don't know why I'm recommending that movie at all.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, you know, Barry Jenkins is making a sequel to the live action, quote unquote, Lion King movie. Mm. And I wonder if that is going to be inspired by this Lion King 2, you know, straight to video VHS movie it'll be yeah, interesting to I, see
1: maybe <laughs> it's one of those like gems where like it's a sequel but you're like this is a really good sequel like very rarely is the sequel as good or better than the original you know i can yeah. think of very few like adam's family you know mm. the sequel is fantastic oh, um, yeah. you know but this i don't know um oh, i'm just talking about lion king 2 right now <laughs>
0: Hey, Uh, somebody, somebody had to do it, you know? (laughs) So, well, uh, tell us about what you're up to right now, Tia. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. uh, I mentioned my podcast. Um, I probably will be doing more episodes, you know, when uh, I am in good mental health, you know, down the line. Uh, My podcast is called My Weird Little Podcast, and we talk about weird stuff. Uh, But I wanted to promote the play that I'm in right now. So I am Mm -hmm. a local actress. Um if you're making a horror movie, I work for pizza. Nice. Um so uh please cast me. Little shameless self-promotion there. Um uh, but I'm in a play called The Pass and it is about a couple giving each other a whole pass uh mm. which is, you know, allowing them to uh you know, leave monogamy for one brief moment and mm. the drama that ensues. Uh, This will be happening in Henderson uh, in March. I don't have like a website for it. So you're going to have to either follow me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, But the dates are March 15th, 16th, 17th, pretty much through the 23rd. So the 15th through the 23rd, there is a Monday night. But if you follow me on Facebook uh, at, you know, follow Tia Bean or on my Instagram at Tia is the coolest because I am, uh, I will be posting about it. The past, uh, I play a horrible person, um, (laughs) which is, you know, totally my wheelhouse. So, uh, yeah, if you're curious to see me act, you want to see what I'm up to check out the past.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. I'll definitely put a link in the show notes uh, to your social media so people can uh, find out more about it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing the episode and hopefully we'll get you back again sometime.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. This was really fun.
0: All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Lisa Frankenstein. Thank you to Tia for joining me on that one. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying piecing it together, of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is that you're listening. And if there happens to be a five-star button that you could click on, it would be very nice if you click on that five-star button. It helps make sure more people check out the show. And we want to just keep doing stuff. Doing the live shows like the one we just did. Doing all kinds of fun things. We're going to be announcing more live shows here soon. We actually already announced three more. But I've got other things that I'm announcing very soon too. So just keep listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Follow on all the socials. And check out our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. Like I told you at the top of the show. Lots of fun conversations happening in there about movies. And uh, yeah, that does it for today's episode. i got to close this out with something kind of goth. That's the only way to close out an episode like this. And uh, actually, I happen to be right now in the middle of finishing up and releasing a new one of my comedy dog and cat albums, The Pup Pups. And one of the songs is actually a kind of goth song called Chasing Shadows Again about our cats running around chasing shadows. So uh, this feels like a good one to play. And at the time this goes up, you still have... I don't know, I think like about four or five days left before the end of February. If you pre-order this new album from the Pup Pups, it's called Variety Snaps. If you pre-order it before the end of February, there is a bonus song I'll be recording that closes out the album. I don't care how long, it could be 10 minutes long, it could be 20 minutes long. However many pre-orders we get, I will include your pet's name in the song. There will be a whole little verse on your pet. So... Get your pre-orders in. You can do it at thepuppups.bandcamp.com and uh, you can also just contact me directly and I will set you up with an order. But uh, if you get it in before the end of February, your pet's name will be included in this ridiculously extended song. So uh, go do that. Check it out. It's a really fun album. I think you'll enjoy it if you're a pet lover. Uh, I'm going to close it out right now with the goth track Chasing Shadows again and we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon. Something over here, something over there Something under here, something under there Something on the ceiling and there's something on the floor There is something I can see and underneath the bedroom door Every single day and night she is going out of mind, Jumping in the box and trying to see what she can find Running all around the house saying she just looks insane And she is just a little kitty cat and she is chasing shadows again Chasing shadows again Day into the night, night into the day The little kitty chasing all the shadows away She chases them all around, but she never seemed to win Run around the house and in the back, where she begins There, underneath the table, and then underneath the couch she catches catch them with the paws, and she catches them with the mouth Run around the house, and she must be insane She's just a little kitty cat She is chasing shadows again Chasing shadows again Let they go again. then 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 they go again. Let they go again. Let they go again. 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 Chase and again. Game.
1: An All Points West production produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.